Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 7th of December 2014, entitled The Fullness of the Time, and the Bible readings are taken from Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7 and Galatians chapter 4 verses 1 to 7. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Galatians chapter 4, if you'd like to hold your finger there and turn back to the book of Isaiah chapter 9, was the prophet Isaiah prophesying of something that is going to happen in the future. I invite you to stand as we read, first of all, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, this being some over 700 years before the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, for unto us a child is born... Unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the seal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. In Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, he says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. But is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so we, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Because you are sons. God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Father, we thank you so much today that we have this glorious privilege to be in your house again today. Lord, we pray now that as we Look into your word that we have before us by the power of your spirit that you would speak to every heart that is present. Lord, it's your words that we need. Lord, it's that which you can do in our hearts that we're desperate for. So we pray, Lord, may you do that which is needed to be done amongst us. May you meet the needs of each and every one. May you be glorified and honored for it. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Of course, the prophecy that Isaiah brought over 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, one of several that we find there in the Old Testament, but we find that as we read here in the book of Galatians, the Word of God describes to us that event actually taking place. Isaiah said this is going to happen. When? 
Well, the Bible tells us here that it was when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son. Now, all of this, as we read here in these seven verses, what's before and what's after, we find that there is a big change in a relationship that is taking place between us and God. And that relationship that is changing is only taking place because of God sending forth his son in the fullness of the time. Now, I find, and as we're here today, just to remind you of a few things Yes, this will be our last Sunday with you before the celebration of Christmas on the calendar. I want to remind you as we tried to put into those tracks that we put, I don't want to remind you today that Christmas, true Christmas, is not about a date on the calendar. It's not about the 25th. It's not about the month of December. It's about an event that God planned and that God accomplished. And it's that event that we celebrate. Now there are all kinds of things that you can have and not have and, and leave to go with it in your way that you want to celebrate and worship that. But I want to talk about the event. And as we read all of the stories of Christmas, which you'll be hearing those readings from the Word of God over the next weeks, one of the really, really exciting truths of Scripture is what we're reading about right here. Now, what are we talking about? This event took place, the Bible says, when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son. What happens, first of all, when something is full? Well, we find that we think of a lot of things being full. I guess, I guess liquid is one thing that we can visually see you can see that as I hold that glass up there that it's about almost half full. But if I take this other water here and begin to pour it, it gets more and more and more full till there comes a point when it literally is that breaking point. It's not full until it's full. It's not full until it can't hold any more. It's not full until it has everything in it that it can possibly hold. Well, that's easy to see when we're looking at something that's liquid that we're filling up there, but God didn't say in the fullness of water, in the fullness of the river, in the fullness of it. He said in the fullness of time. How does time get full? You know, we measure time. One of the things that we find most of the time is that we don't have enough of it, and it fleets by so quickly. But you've heard me say before, remember, God is outside of time. Time is so important to us because no matter who we are, we have a limited amount of it. We only have so much of it. But here we are when we believe that mankind had been around for some 4,000 years. God had made a promise all the way back in the Garden of Eden. He made a promise of the coming Messiah that he would send. From the first human being, some 4,000 years later, the Bible tells us it was in the fullness of the time. 
that God sent forth his son. What is time? Well, it's part of what we've began with this morning. You see, time is about events. Time is full of things that happen. You know, the time that you and I have had upon this earth, those seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years that have accumulated, the time itself, there's no real consequence. It's what happens in that time. How does time get filled up? In the fullness of the time, God sent forth his son. May I say to you that from the first human being that ever lived upon the face of this earth, the Bible teaches us we could look and see that it was actually planned before the foundation of the world. He planned it before he ever even created us. And then from the first human being, he promised that this event was going to take place. And it took place in the fullness of the time. You see, what I just want you to imagine and picture here this morning, not time is something that is invisible, tangible. But time is something that is filled with events, with things taking place. But in this case, it's God that's in control of all that is taking place in the fullness of the time God sent forth his son. What filled the time? What was it that at this point in time, I can assure you, matter of fact, I believe that I could honestly stake my life on the fact that it wasn't December 25th. <laughs> In the fullness of the time, God sent forth his son. Christians chose many years ago to celebrate on that date for all kinds of reasons. You can agree with them or disagree with them. And that's a personal thing. But in the fullness of the time, God sent forth his son. That is the event that we are celebrating is what took place in the fullness of the time. What filled that time? Well, we certainly, we certainly don't have time here this morning to fill it with 4,000 years of events that took place. But I want to give you just a few to remind you of the glory of what took place when God sent forth his son. When you look back and you see in the fullness of the time, in the fullness of the time that God was in control of, in the fullness of the time when, with what God had planned before time even began with us. You see, we could look back and certainly in the fullness of the time, you see when God first made that promise in the Garden of Eden, it was going to take a seed. And we could look at many things to do with that, but we could say that in the fullness of this time. And this is, this is this, this point in history. What is it that's filling up this time to the point that it's breaking with this, the greatest event that had ever, ever happened in history? Well, we could go back to literally about 4,000 years ago. <laughs> so that would have been a couple of thousand years before that night in Bethlehem that we sang about earlier. It was in a place that had a funny name, kind of hard to pronounce, Ur of Chaldees. And we could begin there, and there was this man called Abraham. And he was 
different. He wasn't perfect, the Bible shows us. I mean, he had a couple of wives. That's not a good way to start. And he had a couple of concubines. Sometimes his conduct was less than exemplary. But there was something different about him. You know, we think we live in a tough age sometimes, but this was a, an age of, of superstition, of ignorance, of idolatry, of polytheism, of believing in all these different gods. He was more sensitive, more responsive. Above all, he had a deeper faith because he began to believe that there was only one God. One God and one God alone. And so this man that's different, God, God calls him out. And he makes him some phenomenal promises. And this man by faith, just because God said it, he heads out and he leaves everything behind. Yes, he struggled at times. He lost his vision for a while and then he, he recaptured it. But we find that he continues on. He continues on to this place called Palestine. <laughs> you see, God makes a covenant with him. And when God makes a covenant, a promise, you see, that's part of what even here in Galatians that he was talking about that it doesn't matter what's been promised doesn't matter what you're heir of. It doesn't matter what the future may hold in terms of that until the truth is that you're a son and not a servant. God makes a covenant. He tells this man that his seed is going to be as many stars in the sky. He tells that from him there's going to come a, a mighty, mighty, mighty nation. A nation that God has chosen. Chosen that the whole world might be blessed through that one nation. That God's purpose that he planned before creation for all of humanity that it could be accomplished through the seed of this man called Abraham. And we can look down through all that God did with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. We can see them coming down into Egypt and in bondage. We can see them becoming a race of people that today we know as the Hebrews, the Jews, the Hebrew people. You see, God would bring them out of bondage. He would take them into that promised land. You see, we could look at many of those events, but what I want you to grasp is it was in the fullness of the time. God made a plan. God had a promise that it began with the very first and included all of humanity in the fullness of the time. That time had been filled with God himself, bringing forth a nation, a people. And during some of those same times, we, 
we see God filling that time with something else. We talk about it in different terms when we look into Scripture. We talk about revealed religion. We talk about progressive revelation. But what we see is that in the fullness of the time, that 4,000 years of existence of mankind, that from the Garden of Eden to that point in time, God progressively allowed man to see more and more about him and who he was and what his plans were. We find that that glimmer of light began when Abraham saw that there really is just one God. But we see that that stream of history broadening, if you would. We see a man called Moses. We find that he was the one that heard God from that burning bush say, I am that I am. That same living God. That man being chose to lead that nation of people that God had chosen. The events of time. In the fullness of the time. All that God was putting into place. We see... Moses and that people then there at the foot of Mount Sinai with God revealing himself not only in a burning bush, but there we see him giving them those Ten Commandments that really has been the basis of every civilization since then, any organized civilization that we know of. God revealing himself more as to who he was and what he required. And then we find this chain of prophets just like the Isaiah that we read of before in the fullness of the time. God is using these men to reveal God to mankind, to tell them who he is in a very special gift that some of those men had in giving us God's word that we have even today. Being able to See things that God was promising that would be that had not yet happened in the fullness of the time. In the fullness of that time, God establishing a people, God calling out a, a leader for that people and revealing himself to them and what he expected of those people. We find that... God continues in that prophecy to give them more and more and more of a vision of who he is and what is going to be. You see that fullness of the time, that time is getting fuller all the time. Many of those prophets, as time went on, there was one theme that became the major of all. That was not just the one God that existed and who he was, but the one Messiah that he was going to send to be the Savior of mankind. And it was through those prophets that he begins 
as these events take place and in the fullness of the time, God more and more and more letting them know that there is one that is coming. And that one is going to be born in a very special way. You see, we read there in Isaiah over 700 years before that birth, he said a child is given. He tells us that that child is being given in a way like, no, he's being born of a virgin. What sense does that make? I mean, what would you think of somebody if they came and told you that somebody was going to give birth but that that person was a virgin. And yet, that's what God said. And as we see that taking place in the New Testament, leading up to that point in the fullness of the time, you see, 700 years before that was proclaimed, of a virgin. Now, we can look into the New Testament. We can find Luke chapter 2 as an example. There's a man in Nazareth, and his name is Joseph. And he's betrothed to this one called Mary. But this woman suddenly becomes pregnant with child. Even though they're betrothed, their wedding hasn't been consummated yet. How is this possible? And neither one of them are from Bethlehem. That's just some little shepherd village, but yet some 400 years before this birth. Micah says that that's where it's going to take place. Why, why would it take place in such a totally insignificant place? How could that be? In the fullness of the time, this virgin that is betrothed to her husband becomes pregnant with child. In the fullness of the time. Well, that's one place that we can really see a picture of the fullness of the time. God brought forth his son. The fullness of the time. A mother brings forth her son or her daughter. But this son was going to be brought forth in this particular place by these particular means. How could that be? Suddenly out of nowhere, <laughs> there's this guy called Caesar Augustus that springs into history. <laughs> He's part of this flow now. And he makes this strange request. He wants his census, but he wants everybody to go back to the place of their ancestry to register for that census. What an off-the-wall thing to do. At the very moment and time in history, Joseph and Mary, due to deliver a child, they journey down. They're married now. They're husband and wife. God got them through all that. They arrive on that very night in the fullness of the time God brought forth his son. You see, time is filling up with events. God has this people 
that he calls out, that he chooses, that this seed is going to come forth. He, he brings this, this nation out of this seed and he reveals himself to them, not only as one God, but he reveals more and more of himself and who he is and what he expects. And he brings along all these prophets and in the fullness of the time, all these events, he is declaring exactly what is going to take place all this time in the future. We find that he continues to feed it in the fullness of the time. You ever heard of a place called Babylon? Most things we hear about it aren't, uh, aren't very good in Scripture, except for the beauty of its hanging baskets maybe and whatnot. Well, about 580-odd years, 588, I think, B.C., there's this guy called Nebuchadnezzar. And he comes along and actually conquers this nation that God has called out. And he takes them into captivity. Well, what sense does that make? This is supposed to be God's people, God's nation. Well, I'll tell you, just like many times with God's people today, they had to go into that captivity for a reason because they needed preparing. They needed some things sorting out in their lives. You see, yes, there's an event to take place, but this people had fallen into complete idolatry, sinful wickedness. But it was while they were there in exile to the Babylonians that God taught those people a lot of things. It was there that he taught them that the center of faith is God himself, not the temple. Always been in the temple. It was there that God began to bring forth this idea that the synagogue was established. And every village and every people would have their place to meet and to worship God besides just the one temple. He taught them there that they may have a priesthood to help them, but he taught them of their personal accountability to God. You see, in the fullness of the time, time is measured with events, with happenings, with the things that fill that time. We find that there's another stream of this time that's beginning to feel, and that's this other European nation called Greece. Greece, about the 5th century B.C. Greece, they were at their zenith in the West. Greek culture, Greek art, Greek philosophy, democracy, what a novel thing. That was a revolutionary idea in its day. What has all that to do with this in the fullness of the time God sent forth his son? Because you know what the greatest mark of the Greek civilization was and still is? It was the ways of communication, their language, the Greek language. You see, it was more perfect, more expressive, more articulate than any other language had ever been. 
came into existence. It was perfected and used as long as the language of all the the culture and refinement and education for like five centuries. What does that have to do with the fullness of God's time? Well, out of that, exploding out of Macedonia came this guy that we know as Alexander the Great. He swept across not only Europe, but right across Asia Minor, and at the age of 33, he had conquered all the known world of his day. What an accomplishment. Never in the history of mankind had one nation, one people, had such an influence on all the peoples of this world communicating. As when the Greeks, when Alexander the Great <laughs> took the world, and that one language had such an influence. You see, God is feeding in the fullness of the time. God is in control. It was an event like no other, and it was in God's plan, and it was in God's timing. In the fullness of the time, God sent forth his son. There was another stream following that one of the Greeks, and that was that of the Romans. <laughs> Rome. You see, when Alexander died, the kingdom began to break up, and all the spoils were being partitioned off to all these others. Well, then along came the Roman legions, and they literally, they marched across Europe. They marched to Carthage in North Africa, in the Middle East, Marching, conquering everything in their path. Pompey came to the Middle East in about 63 years B.C. In the fullness of the time. Not the years, not the date. But I want you to get, it's the events, it's God's planning we talk about how hard it is to plan for Christmas sometimes and to get everything ready. God planned that event, the event that we celebrate. Pompey came to the Middle East in about 63 B.C. with his armies to conquer Palestine. A few years later, around 47 B.C., Caesar himself fallen. Around 40 B.C., Herod was appointed king. Caesar tells them to rebuild the temple. What? What has all that to do within the fullness of the time? Well, just as the Greeks had brought their language, Rome brought an order a systematic government. They were geniuses at government. They took all of the sprawling world with all of its petty kings and tribal groups and they pulled it together like nobody else had. 
And you know what they began to do? They began to build roads. <laughs> you can still go today in this country and you can still find some of those old Roman roads that were built then. The ruins of them still there. Romans, oh, they conquered. But they began to build. They began to tackle a lot of those bandits and pirates along those roads. Matter of fact, it's said that they brought one of the greatest periods of peace that's ever been known on earth during their control. But boy, commerce began to move and traffic began to flow all over the world. People coming and going like never before. Can you see in the fullness of the time how important that would be when this event came forth, when God would send forth his son in the fullness of the time, in the fullness of all of these events that were required and necessary for God's plan to be a perfect plan. You see, I believe that's what Paul is trying to get us to realize and understand here in Galatians chapter 4. But in the fullness of the time, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons, that this relationship might change, that we might be part of God's family we look at those 4,000 years from the time that God first promised it until it became a reality. But it was in the fullness of the time. A God that is outside of time because he is eternal. <laughs> but he was the one that was filling that time. And oh, there's many more but I just want you to get a glimpse this morning in the fullness of the time. God in control. God bringing all of these events. If you begin to take these things away that we've got this morning, it all falls apart in the fullness of the time. In God's perfect timing, he brought forth his son. Many times we can see the, the rivers flowing. We can see them begin to fill their banks after maybe a rainy season. But you know, those rivers don't just get full by themselves. <laughs> you find that those rivers are filled by streams. They might be visible or invisible. Some of them are literally underground streams and springs, and many come down. They flow out of the mountains, and this coming from all these, all these streams filling in to bring that river to its banks, to its fullness. All these streams of history feeding into this stream of history, this river of history, if you would, the events of all time, all the events that take place, they're all going into that, that one stream. Yes, there is an unseen force, and that's God. God and all of his infinite power controlling it all, controlling those world forces. We look at something and we think, oh, that's horrible, that's bad, that's terrible. Who would have thought that it would mean so much 
for the Greeks to conquer the world or the Romans to conquer the world. And yet as we look back and we see what that brought and what it accomplished and what came out of it, you see, the source of all those streams is God. Every river has a source. The source of history, it begins with God and it finishes with God. It's God that started it all and it's God that will finish it all. It's God that's in control of everything that happens there. In the fullness of the time. What a concept. What a thought. You see, we may not know the date on the calendar. But boy, <laughs> when I think of the awesomeness of the event, of what God did, all that God did throughout history, to that perfect timing, in the fullness of the time, when everything was there, when everything was there, because it couldn't be full until there was nothing more to be added. In the fullness of the time, in the fullness of all of history, in the fullness of everything that had taken place, God brought forth His Son that we might be redeemed, that we might be adopted into His family. Oh, yes. That's what we celebrate. That's what we want to glory in. Time is not about a mark on a calendar. Time is about events and life and all that goes into it and everything that takes place. But I want to remind you of something else this morning. There's much I could say about that. But you know, your life is no accident either. Your life right now, right here, this morning, in the fullness of the time, you are what you are today. In the fullness of the time, you are all those streams that have fed into you and some of them may have seemed good and some of them may have seemed bad. Some may have been good and some may have been bad. And I'm reminded that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You are who you are because of everything, every event in your life. Yes, when you were born, the family that you were born into, the people, the teachers that you've had, the education that you've had, the jobs that you've held, the things that you've done, all of those events are the fullness of your time. It's who you are today. But you see, in the fullness of the time of God when he brought forth his son, he brought him forth, he says there, for you. That you might be adopted into his family. That your relationship with him might be changed. Today, every one of us could look at ourselves and we can see good things and we can see bad things and unfortunately sometimes there's more bad things than good things. And But God, in the fullness of his time, he not only brought forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem you, to adopt you into his family, 
But it's no accident that you're here this morning. It's no accident that you are where you are in your life right now. Now, if you want to look back and you want to get into a lot of things, we don't have to, you know, a whole lot of those things in the fullness of that time that the nation of Israel, you know, when they went into that Babylonian captivity, why did they have to go into that Babylonian captivity? Because of bad choices that they had made that God straightened out. You're responsible for your choices. I'm not saying you're some kind of a programmed robot. I'm saying you are who you are because of every choice you've ever made and every event in your life and everything that's been put into you. And you've got choices here today. God sent forth his son that you might be redeemed, that you might be adopted into his family. Oh, I hope you know that with absolute 100%. I don't care if you don't know anything else. If you could legally be declared the most ignorant person in the world because you don't know anything, if you know that one thing, you know the most important thing you could ever know. No matter what anybody else thinks. I'm not trying to advertise for ignorance, by the way. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you know that one thing, it's more important than all the rest. Know that today with certainty. And Christian, you are who you are today. Your life has been filled with all kinds of things, and you can try to... Measure them out in the good and the bad and the whys and the wheres. The thing is, so they've been there for a reason. Maybe bad choices you've made. Maybe to try to correct some of the bad choices you've made. Maybe to strengthen you. Maybe to make you who you are. The truth is, you are who you are because of all those things. Where does it go from here? In the fullness of the time of your life. Where is it going from here? What choices do you make today? Where is your life headed? Where is it going? Because I promise you, just as God is the source, it's all going to end with him one day. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry. And I just want to remind you this Christmas, when you think about Christmas in any way, shape, or form, don't worry about that date on the calendar. Think of the event. What took place in the fullness of the time with all that God did to bring forth his son at the perfect moment in history that he brought him forth. Father, we thank you today that we can just be reminded a little bit. And Lord, I, I, I feel so inadequate today. Lord, you, you stirred my heart in such a way just contemplating these things and thinking on these things and Lord I couldn't even write them down very well but Lord I pray that somehow you can help us grasp just what these words are really saying to us in the fullness of the time God sent forth his son all those events everything that filled that time to that point Lord you were in control of Regardless of whether man chose right or chose wrong or went right or went wrong, I'm glad that you were there to control the events, to bring them to the point that they needed to be. And Lord, you're still in our lives today, and we thank you for that because we sure would make a mess of them if we had to figure it out ourselves. We are who we are because of good things and bad things and all kind of things that have filled our lives. But Lord, I pray.
I pray that we give serious consideration as we look at the days ahead, <laughs> that we can rejoice. Oh, Lord, that you are in control. The events are yours, and it ends with you, and we want to be there with you. But help us also day by day to consider the choices that we're making. Lord, are they what you want for our life? Are they where you want us to be? Are they what you want to do with us in the bigger picture that you're in control of all? For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.